My favorite thing to do when I'm commuting or waiting on a long line is hop onto June's journey and escape into a game filled with compelling stories, strong female characters, and a true crime mystery I want to help solve. The game lets you step into the role of June Parker as she tries to figure out who killed her sister. By playing the Hidden Object Mystery mobile game, you put your detective skills to the test. You find clues, play mind-teasing puzzles, and dive into the roaring 1920s. I'm on chapter four and still trying to figure out how these clues will help me crack the case of who did it and why, but I can't do it alone. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug, ignored a leaky faucet, pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few taps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. On the surface, they seemed like the model California couple. Smart, beautiful, and successful. They had everything going for them. Beautiful home, fantastic jobs in the tech industry, a young son. They looked like the quintessential perfect North County family. But on a hot summer night in 2016, an explosion of violence would change their lives forever. All of a sudden, they see a man lying in the bushes in the sniper position. That's when shots were fired. My concerns were that it could have been a similar copycat like the DC sniper. Law enforcement put out a reverse 911 call for people to stay in their homes. As police raced to safeguard a city, the investigation would place this couple squarely at the center of the case. I think his reputation portrayed on national television that he was a good guy and that he was the hero in the story we knew otherwise. They developed a close, intimate relationship which turned into somewhat of an affair. But would their deepest secrets put an entire community at risk? He did not believe that their boy had this illness and did not believe the boy should be taking massive doses of medication. They endangered the lives of the residents who lived nearby. He had weapons in every room. There were people calling in saying that they had heard five to six shots. Thursday, September 1st, 2016, Carlsbad, California. It's just past 11 p.m. when the phones at the Carlsbad 911 Dispatch Center light up. Uh, this is 911. Yeah. Hi, uh, my friend has just been shot. Okay, where are you at? They received a phone call from a subject who identified himself as Jason Kovach, and Jason Kovach told the Carlsbad dispatchers that his friend Greg Mulvihill had been shot. He was bleeding profusely and he needed immediate attention. Within minutes, the first officer from the Carlsbad Police Department arrives at the scene, where he finds Greg Mulvihill slumped behind the wheel of his vehicle, 
barely hanging on to life, and his friend, Jason Kovach, next to him, trying to keep him conscious. The first officer immediately grabbed Mr. Mulvihill and put him in the back of his police car to remove him from the hot zone or the active shooter situation. As the officer transports Greg to Scripps Memorial Hospital in nearby San Diego, he tries to get more details about the crime. The officer was trying to gain some insight into what are you doing here? What happened? How did you get shot? Jason Kovach explains that the two of them had been ambushed just minutes earlier on a nearby trail. They've heard some rustling in the bushes, and all of a sudden, they see a man lying in the bushes in the sniper position. They'd started to move, and that's when shots were fired. He was hit in the chest, spun around, but he didn't go down. He kept running and more shots were fired as they ran off and got into their car and then fled. It's unknown who the shooter is and where he is at. So at that point, we couldn't rule out if there was gonna be more victims. As backup arrives and police begin to secure the scene, Greg Mulvihill is running out of time. They don't have time. He's starting to lose so much blood, he's passing out. They needed to take him into surgery immediately. As doctors attempt to save Greg's life, one question still remains. Why would anyone come to this kind of remote location at, you know, 1045, 11 o'clock at night? Born and raised in Oregon, Greg moved to Southern California in 2000 after graduating from college with a degree in computer engineering. Mr. Mulvihill is a computer programmer. He's extremely intelligent. He's tall, he's in good shape. He likes the outdoors. He's a very kind, nice, um, soft-spoken man. In 2005, at the age of 34, Greg decided to try online dating. Within a matter of weeks, he hit the jackpot when he connected with Diana Lovejoy. Two years younger than Greg, Diana was raised in the heart of California's Silicon Valley. Diana graduated from UC San Diego in 1994 with a degree in literature and a triple minor in music, French, and psychology. We were your classic, probably nerds, didn't go to parties. She had a passion for reading and she had a very inquisitive nature, super intelligent and easygoing. She was very athletic. She was very much into working out and being healthy. She was always training, running, swimming, biking. Following college, Diana moved home to San Diego, where she landed a well-paying job as a technical writer at Nokia. I thought she was a great writer. She helped me learn the product. I think she was very well thought of, a lot respected by her coworkers. She was making around 120,000 a year. So she was doing really well. In March of 2005, when Diana got a message from Greg Mulvihill, it seemed like a perfect match. They were both kind of outdoorsy people. They were just kind of both at a, the time in their lives where they're looking to um, get married and settle down and have kids. After just two years of dating, Greg proposed to Diana. And in August 2007, the couple tied the knot. 
both Diana Lovejoy and Greg Mulvihill were wildly successful before they got married, then it just seemed like a powerhouse marriage coming together. Combining their dual six-figure salaries, Diana and Greg purchased an $800,000 home in the sunny suburban oasis of Carlsbad. It's on the ocean, there's bike paths. It's just a beautiful scenic place to live. On September 12th, 2012, after years of trying, the couple's prayers were answered when Diana gave birth to a little boy. Diana's son was her whole life. She was all about him and what he was doing, what he was learning. They had everything going for them. It looked like the quintessential perfect North County family. However, in 2014, cracks began to appear in Greg and Diana's perfect facade. Greg Mulvihill had some type of shoulder injury, and so then he was unemployed for a period of time. Diana said that she was sole support for their family, so she did mention that as being a, um, a stressor for her. To earn extra money, Diana started a fitness blog and entered online video contests promoting everything from instant meals. Welcome to my kitchen where I really like to cook. To cat litter. We've got the waste receptacles. To an amateur ad competition for snack food. However, just as Diana's blogs and web videos started to gain followers, she was laid low by a series of illnesses. I know she struggled a lot with chronic fatigue. She believed that she had fibromyalgia and believed that her son had been illness and that it all stemmed from some kidney illness. Diana's ailment, combined with financial struggles, eventually took its toll on the couple's marriage. Things turned really quickly. Somewhere down the road, the relationship and marriage started to unravel. Diana became sick, which kind of led to them having to have a, a nanny during the day to take care of their child. And so there was a lot of different issues that kind of came up, which led to them eventually uh, divorcing. In 2014, Greg moved out of the house in Carlsbad. Despite the dissolution of their marriage, he and Diana worked hard to keep things civil for the sake of their son. The child that they did have was very much wanted and adored by both parents. Despite her illness, Diana continued to focus on her fitness blog and caring for her son as best she could. And by 2016, it seemed Diana's life was back on the upswing. She was able to balance a career with also having this young child. Diana's an amazing mother and loves her child more than anything else. Greg had also rejoined the workforce. He's working and he makes a good living and it wasn't substantial less than hers. He was trying to co-parent as much as possible. He really loved his son and was trying everything on his end to make it work. But on the night of September 1st, 2016, Greg Mulvihill's life was thrown into jeopardy by a gunman on a dirt road in Carlsbad. As Greg is wheeled into surgery, the Carlsbad Police Department scrambles to respond to reports of a sniper in the upscale town. When the call first came in, um, I believe it came in as an active shooter. We had no idea what to expect. My concerns were that it could have been a similar copycat like the DC sniper. Do we have someone that's singling out you know, individuals for no apparent reason? 
As SWAT teams and helicopters descend on the area, investigators rush to capture Greg's attacker before he strikes again. In my mind, I'm thinking we're gonna have a large area, we may have multiple casualties. Coming up, a sickening discovery at the crime scene gives detectives a possible lead on their shooter. We knew it was gonna help the case. We're gonna have DNA. And a witness comes forward to tell his story. We didn't know what to think, honestly, because his story, it sounded crazy. On September 1st, 2016, Carlsbad, California resident Greg Mulvihill has been rushed into emergency surgery after being shot on a utility access trail by an unidentified gunman. The bullet entered under his arm and it actually blew out by his, his shoulder blades. He was missing massive um, pieces of, of flesh and muscle. As Greg fights for his life, Carlsbad police fan out in search of the shooter worried that he may strike again. They put out a reverse 911 call to all the homes that are surrounding this canyon for people to stay in their homes. They sent in helicopters to fly overhead to see if they could find the sniper. I was the on-call detective for the violent crimes unit, and we responded to the station to wait until the SWAT team gave us an all clear. With the search for the shooter underway, and Greg Mulvihill still fighting for his life in surgery, detectives turned to his companion, Jason Kovach, for answers. Knowing the city and the area, it was kind of one of those, why was he there? What was he doing on that trail at 11 o'clock at night? According to Jason, it began around 10.45 that evening. Mr. Mulvihill received a phone call from this person saying he was an investigator and had this information that he was wanting to sell to Mr. Mulvihill. He was going to provide that evidence. Well, I think that anybody would find that kind of weird, that after 11 o'clock at night, you get this mysterious phone call from someone you don't know, and they tell you to go in the dark to this isolated path to pick up these documents. Jason says he's not sure what these documents might contain, but Greg certainly seemed intrigued. Greg Mulvihill wanted to go. He was curious. Greg thought it was best to bring a friend kind of a safety and numbers type of a thing. So he had asked Mr. Kovach to go with him and Mr. Kovach obliged. Jason says that Greg was nervous enough about their safety that he gave Jason a makeshift weapon. Mr. Mobile brings a mountain bike light and he had this small child's baseball bat that he gave to Jason. When the two men got out of the car, there is a long, path that leads up to this power pole. You can see that there is a towel or some, some white object that's at the base of the power pole. So they walk up to the power pole, and it is a towel that has an Angry Birds character on it. So Greg starts feeling suspicious and apprehensive. So he shines this bicycle light using his left hand. He shines it all around. He saw some rustling in the bushes, got closer, started to investigate. He can see somebody in camouflage on their belly with a rifle and a scope pointed right at him. And he shouted, gun, and then he and his friend started to move, and that's when shots were fired. As they're running, they are shot at six to seven more times. So they are panicked. 
Jason tells police that they didn't even realize Greg had been shot until they made it back to the car. We didn't know what to think, honestly, because uh, his story, it sounded crazy. We thought that there's something missing. It could be a drug deal gone bad, a drug ripoff, any number of crimes that it could have been. And the two gentlemen just did not want to admit what the real events were and created this story. Several hours after the initial shooting, detectives can begin scouring the area for evidence. The police had swarmed that location the night of the shooting, looking for an active shooter. And they didn't find anybody there. The SWAT team gave us an all clear so we could enter the crime scene. The actual area that it took place is a dirt access road that parallels the uh, electric lines and the pole line structures. A kind of a character towel, uh, Angry Birds towel. It was set right at the foot of the power pole very neatly folded in a square. It seemed consistent with what the victim had initially stated, even though how crazy it all sounded. Based on Jason Kovach's description of the weapon, police believe they're dealing with an assault rifle, perhaps an AR-15. Unfortunately, there's no evidence left behind to confirm this hunch. There were no shell casings found on the, uh, the, the scene where there were seven rounds fired. You would expect there to be shell casings. So they were looking for perhaps a, a brass catcher. The brass catcher actually catches the expended casings. So they don't fall to the ground. It's all just gonna be contained in this little bag. Not far from where the shooter was presumably positioned, investigators make a significant and rather sickening discovery. They did find the towel that was covered in feces. To be more descriptive, it was diarrhea that was left at the scene. I would say it's fairly uncommon to find freshly left feces at a crime scene. Once we found that, we knew that that it was it was going to help the case. We're going to have DNA. After sending the towel to the lab for DNA testing, investigators receive a call from the surgical team at Scripps Memorial. Miraculously, taking one round to the chest isn't enough for Greg Mulvihill. He survived. That afternoon, Carlsbad detectives are cleared to speak with Greg Mulvihill, and they've got plenty of questions for him. What person would decide at 11 o'clock at night to go with a friend to a secluded area to pick up a package of paperwork? Mr. Mulvihill had been lured to that location by a promise of some materials that were going to be helpful for a divorce. According to Greg, the problem started a few years earlier when his now ex-wife, Diana Lovejoy, became convinced that their son was suffering from an illness and distrusted anyone that told her otherwise. She refused to have the boy be seen by any of the specialists at Children's Hospital. She believed that her son needed to be on massive doses of guaifenesin. It's like a mucinex. No, it's not a treatment replicated, you know, with other doctor's offices or conventional medicine. So Greg didn't believe it at all and wasn't going to go along with the medication regimen. Greg also says that after he filed for divorce in June of 2014, he and Diana argued bitterly about the details of the settlement. The financial settlement was that she was going to be able to keep the marital home. and. To be able to do that, 
she was going to have to give Greg an equalizing payment of $120,000. They came up with the decision that the parties should share 50-50 custody. Diana, with her attorney, and Greg, with his attorney, agreed to this. According to Greg, he thought everything was settled. But that's when he received a call from an anonymous stranger who claimed to have information crucial to the divorce and asked Greg to meet on this remote access road. Mr. Mulvihill knew that it probably wasn't the best idea, but, you know, the curiosity got the best of him. So he wanted to go find out. The so-called private investigator that called Mr. Mulvihill was very detailed. Um, he knew his name. He knew um, that he was going through a divorce. So I think we were looking at someone who knew um, Mr. Mulvihill. Because Greg survived the shooting, he was able to relay the phone number from the mysterious caller. We were able to write a search warrant for the phone records and found that the phone number was actually attached to a burner phone. It's not gonna have any subscriber information. Investigators call the manufacturer of the burner phone to determine when and where the phone was purchased. While detectives wait for the results to come back, they take a closer look at Greg and Diana's pending divorce. That's when they realize that the animosity between Greg and Diana runs far deeper than a disagreement over their son's medical care. She listed all these allegations, the erratic behavior of Greg, the abuse of drugs, I mean, all these terrible things. Coming up, investigators peel back the layers of Greg and Diana's troubled marriage. The sexual evaluation, the drug, testing, the psychological evaluations, and then once all of this stuff is done, the truth finally comes out. And detectives uncover another suspect who may have harbored affection for Diana and animosity toward Greg. He told her that he would protect her. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. In Carlsbad, California, 47-year-old Greg Mulvihill has miraculously survived a gunshot wound to the chest, delivered by a sniper who ambushed him on a dark dirt road. 
Detectives investigating the case have also discovered that Greg's pending divorce from his wife, Diana Lovejoy, was far from amicable. In the summer of 2014, Ms. Lovejoy went to Carlsbad Police and alleged that Mr. Mulvihill had been sexually assaulting her and he had also been molesting their little boy. Because of the sexual assault allegations, she went to the court and was granted full custody. And she also was able to obtain a kickout order from the court reference. And so he was removed from the home. I knew that, especially as a domestic violence detective, that we needed to speak to the ex-wife. On September 2nd, detectives talk with Diana at her beachfront home in Carlsbad. I remember telling her that her ex-husband was shot. She said something to the extent of, oh my God, is he okay? And we told her, yeah, he's fine, he's, he's gonna live. Detectives ask Diana about the abuse allegations she made against Greg in 2014. Diana says that the first six years of her and Greg's marriage were picture perfect. But once her health took a turn for the worse, so did the marriage. She felt that he was very different from the way he portrayed himself. She felt like she had been fooled by him. Diana says that around this same time, she started to wake up groggy and sore in the morning. At first, she thought it was just her chronic fatigue. But over time, she began to suspect Greg was the true source of her pain and suffering. She felt that Greg had raped her several times when she was unconscious. The allegations are shocking, based on what police know of Greg Mulvihill's personality. He came across as a very meek and a very mild individual to me, a very pleasant. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to have uh, any violent tendencies at all. But Diana was increasingly convinced Greg was assaulting her. And in the summer of 2014, she even confronted him about it. She believed he had drugged her and that she talked to him about it and he could deny, deny, deny. Still, Diana says that despite the alleged assaults, she tried to work things out for the sake of their child. However, Diana tells police that when Greg began to dismiss her fears that their son was sick, she began to seriously contemplate divorce. She didn't feel like he was a, a good parent. She felt he was neglectful, didn't pay enough attention to him, and just was not a concerned parent. Diana says that after she reported her suspicions of abuse to the authorities, Greg filed for divorce. She told me that Greg had threatened her and that if she tried to um, get sole custody of their son, that he would do something to her. She was afraid of him. Diana Lovejoy was afraid in her relationship, and she started training with handguns. Diana says that in 2015, she began taking lessons at Iron Sights shooting range. Her instructor was a 47-year-old former Marine named Weldon McDavid. Weldon was about 30. He joined the Marine Corps. He spent two tours in Iraq, but he was based out of Camp Pendleton, so he stayed here after he left the Marine Corps. Over the next several weeks, Diana continued to train with Weldon. During that time, she confided to him some of her marital problems. She ended up taking private lessons. And then through this, Weldon also an installed security at her home. He, um, he gave her self-defense lessons, the shooting lessons. Though the lessons bolstered Diana's self-confidence, it didn't prepare her for the legal roadblock Greg threw in her path. 
Greg hired an attorney because of the allegations that Diana raised about the sexual assaults. Greg underwent a sexual evaluation. The parties all went through the psychological evaluation. The uh, psychologist came up with the, with the uh, decision that the parties should share 50-50 custody. The court found no evidence whatsoever that Greg had sexually assaulted Diana. She was panicked, really. I think she did feel let down by the legal system. According to Diana, no one seemed more upset by the news than Weldon McDavid. McDavid told her that he would protect her. Weldon has always been interested in helping people who are weaker or can't protect themselves. When he was young, it was the bullies in school protecting his friends. Detectives conduct a background check on Weldon McDavid and discover this isn't the first time he's been involved in a domestic situation like Diana's. Mr. McDavid had helped a woman who was from Carlsbad as well, who actually was a victim of sexual assault. The woman's name was Crystal Harris, and her situation bore a striking resemblance to the one Diana allegedly found herself in. Crystal Harris says that her husband has been raping her. She befriends Mr. McDavid, who's like, you want me to teach you how to shoot? Um, and so they do some lessons. Crystal Harris also decided to secretly surveil her husband. She ends up recording one of the rapes on a little mini cassette recorder. He gets convicted. The case generated national news, and both Crystal Harris and Weldon McDavid did multiple television interviews. At one point, they ask him, you know, did you listen to the tape? And he's like, I listened to the tape, and I wanted to kill him. Mr. McDavid was on national television saying that he'd like to kill um, a man who sexually assaulted his wife. Detectives obtain Weldon McDavid's DNA profile and compare it to the soiled towel found at the crime scene. The feces that was located that night was analyzed for DNA, and Mr. McDavid's DNA matched the DNA that was in the feces. On September 9th, 2016, detectives pick up Weldon McDavid not far from his home in Fallbrook. We actually get a search warrant for Mr. McDavid's house. While officers execute the search of Weldon's residence, detectives take their suspect down to the station for questioning. He acted like he had no idea what was going on. And they're asking him, have you ever been to this area before? And I'm like, no, I've never been there. I don't know what you're talking about. That's when detectives confront him with the DNA evidence. I asked him, would it be a coincidence that your would be in the same area where Greg was shot? And then that's when the whole interview shifts. I was on a dirt road, just running along. And I did have to That explains it. But why would Weldon, who lived 45 minutes away in Fallbrook, choose to go jogging on a maintenance road in Carlsbad? Mr. McDavid lived on a nature preserve. There is a path that goes literally within 25 yards of his house. It made no sense at all. That's when Weldon's story shifts again. It's going to be set up. By who? In fact, I know I'm being set up. Who's setting you up? He said, somebody paid me to go and plant two towels. 
And they're asking him, somebody paid you to go and plant? Like, who would do that? Why? And that's when he ultimately invoked and asked for an attorney. With Weldon invoking his Miranda rights, the focus shifts to the search warrant being executed at his home in Fallbrook. Everywhere in the home, there were loaded and unloaded weapons in different state of readiness. There was a series of industrial shelves in the garage. Officer climbed up and pulled down an upper to an AR-15 with a brass bag attached to it. And there were seven spent shell casings. They knew that they had the upper that was used uh, in the crime. Investigators are convinced that Weldon McDavid is the gunman. But did he act alone? Before detectives can answer that question, they receive a call from the manufacturer of the burner phone that was used to contact Greg Mulvihill the night he was shot. The phone was purchased approximately one month prior to the shooting at a local electronic store in the city of Encinitas. The loss prevention agent said that he could email a bunch of still photos and that he would mail me the video surveillance. So I had gathered all the detectives into my office, and we all stood in there. And as I opened up the email, it's a clear face shot. It's a clear body shot. Coming up, is the figure in the surveillance footage the key to unraveling a botched murder plot? This was several days of, of really good detective work, trying to narrow down exactly who it was. The answer to that question will trigger a shocking revelation. They developed a close, intimate relationship, which turned into somewhat of an affair. It was kind of like a, oh my gosh, type of a moment. Investigators in Carlsbad, California, have identified former Marine Weldon McDavid as the man who shot 47-year-old computer programmer Greg Mulvihill. They've also obtained surveillance video of the purchase of the burner phone Weldon used to lure Greg into his trap. I had gathered all the detectives into my office, and we all stood in there. And as I opened up the email, it's a clear face shot, it's a clear body shot. You can tell immediately that it is Diana Lovejoy buying the phone. It was kind of like a, oh my gosh, it's the wife type of a moment. In our eyes, we had more than enough uh, probable cause to believe that, that they were involved with the shooting. After reviewing the surveillance footage, police bring Diana Lovejoy into custody. So we confront Diana in the interview about the, the purchase of the phone, show her the pictures of her purchasing the phone. She agrees it's her. And we ask her why she purchased the phone that was used to contact Greg. And what she told us was that she had been looking for someone to help her take care of her custody issues. Police begin to press Diana about her connection to Weldon McDavid. That's when Diana makes another startling revelation. They developed a close, intimate relationship, and in fact, which turned into somewhat of an affair. According to Diana, as the relationship with Weldon intensified, the two began dreaming up ways Diana could reacquire full custody of her son and be done with Greg for good. McDavid told her that he would protect her and help her out with the custody battle and put together this idea of luring him to an area where McDavid can scare him, and then she can get custody of her son. She paid him to do it, 
According to Diana, she and Weldon met at an area park on the night of September 1st. When she got into the car, he had what she recognized as a soft rifle bag. And she asked him what was in the bag, and he said, it's just something to scare him with. Diana says that a gun wasn't supposed to be part of their plan, but that she trusted Weldon. She did mention that he's done this before with another victim that was a victim of rape. So she felt like he was going to help her. She drove Weldon to the location, dropped him off, and he said he would call her when he's ready to be picked up. She drove back to the neighborhood where she lives in and waited for Weldon to call her. He called her later and said, I'm ready, pick me up. And she picked him up at the rest area. And she did remember him telling her something went wrong. She says something to the extent, well, what happened? Is he OK? And McDavid said, yeah, I'll explain later. But something went wrong, and he was shot. Diana is adamant that she never meant for Greg to get hurt. Detectives aren't buying it. If you show up armed with a weapon and you lie in wait, your intent is to use it. The evidence was overwhelming um, that Mr. Mulvihill's ex-wife had hired someone to kill him. Both Diana and Weldon are booked under charges of attempted murder and conspiracy to commit murder. News of Diana's arrest stuns the Carlsbad community. I could not believe it was her. I was totally shocked. You know, this is somebody that I consider a friend. This is somebody that I trust, that I care deeply about. It's not just Diana's friends and colleagues who are taken aback. I was in complete shock for a number of days. You can't wrap your head around a situation like that. He was terrified, and I could tell when he told me that they were accusing him of attempted murder and conspiracy that he was dumbfounded. No one is more surprised than Diana's intended target, her husband, Greg. He'd never in his wildest dreams imagined that his wife uh, could have been behind him. He just, he simply could not believe it. On September 26, 2017, Diana and Weldon are back together again, this time in a San Diego courtroom where they are being tried jointly. Prosecutors argue the whole thing started when Diana began having what they claim were delusions about her son's health. Initially, when Diana told Greg that she thought he had it, Greg went along with the protocol, massive amounts of this medication. And then unbeknownst to Diana and the doctor, he stopped taking any of that medication. And he went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, oh, you've gotten much better. So he knew immediately that this was just a big scam. Diana was so angry at Greg that Greg did not believe that their boy had any of this illness and did not believe the boy should be taking massive doses of medication. Prosecutors argue that in 2014, Diana concocted a plan to get back at Greg. Diana accused Greg of uh, sexual assault and was granted full custody. There ultimately was no evidence whatsoever that Mr. Mulvihill had molested his child. This was something that Diana Lovejoy had created. The court-appointed evaluator, after looking at all the evidence, interviewing multiple parties, including Ms. Lovejoy, and doing a psychological evaluation of Ms. Lovejoy, uh, determined that Mr. Mulvihill was actually the better parent. The court also told Diana that as the principal breadwinner, she had to pay him monthly child support 
in addition to 120 grand she owed Greg for his portion of the house. Ms. Lovejoy was furious. Prosecutors say her motivations were very clear. There was $120,000 that was floating in the air that she would have to pay Greg Mulvihill. But if Greg Mulvihill disappeared, it would go to her son's trust. Subsequently, that would go to her. She was to give him the money uh, by approximately uh, September 26 or 27th of 2016. The attempted murder took place the first week in September. Prosecutors claim that's when Diana sought out Weldon McDavid and seduced him with a steady diet of sex and cold-hearted lies. Ms. Lovejoy had fed Mr. McDavid a steady stream of bad information about Mr. Mulvihill, knowing it would spin him up and appeal to his sense of, of chivalry. He had a hero complex. Um, I believe that he was trying to be the hero in the situation. Diana knew how to manipulate him into doing exactly what it is that she wanted him to do so that her hands would not be as dirty and messy as his are, so to speak. She really is the mastermind behind this. Coming up, Weldon McDavid takes the stand. Will he turn on his former lover? His testimony was that had he wanted to kill Mr. Mulvihill, he would have. And the verdict takes a near deadly turn. Then we hear, well, bam! The bailiffs are trying to get everybody out of the courtroom. It's chaos. In September of 2017, 45-year-old California writer and fitness blogger Diana Lovejoy stands accused, along with 50-year-old Weldon McDavid, of conspiracy and attempted murder of Diana's 47-year-old ex-husband, Greg Mulvihill. Inside a San Diego courtroom, Diana has decided not to take the stand on her behalf, but Weldon McDavid has no such qualms. Weldon McDavid Jr. on the stand was very arrogant, and he felt like, as a Marine sniper, no one was tougher than him. Weldon says he got there a few minutes before Greg in an effort to catch him off guard, hoping to ultimately get Greg to confess to being abusive to his wife and child. Weldon McDavid Jr. went there to try to, in some way, trick Greg Mulvihill into saying something or doing something that would admit guilt to some sort of abuse. His story was that he never intended to shoot Greg. If Weldon wanted to shoot somebody, he's trained to shoot twice to the body and once to the head. Weldon shot one shot. That shot went at the light. Waiting and then shooting six more times is not how you try to kill somebody. And it was 20 yards. They're trying to say that he shot seven times and missed these guys from 20 yards. He said he brought a gun for his own protection because Diana had told him that Greg Mulvihill owned a gun, that he was basically this, this dangerous person. So he felt he had to have some type of weapon to protect himself. However, Weldon claims the plan changed once Greg arrived with his friend Jason Kovach in tow. He believed this man was a threat um, to him. He believed the man may be armed. Prosecutors waste no time in hammering away at Weldon's claim of self-defense. McDavid didn't need to 
be on his belly in camouflage with an AR-15, with the scope, with the brass bag. So everything supported that McDavid lured Mulvihill there to kill him. As for why Weldon failed in his attempt to assassinate Greg Mulvihill, prosecutors have an explanation. Weldon McDavid Jr. was not prepared for this shooting the way more seasoned snipers might be, because he's never shot someone before. He pooped himself. I, that's the worst thing you can do as a sniper, except for maybe miss the shot, and he did both. He pooped himself and he missed the shot. On November 13th, 2017, both sides rest their case. It takes the San Diego jury two hours to return with a verdict. The jury came back very quickly. The verdict was guilty for everything across the board for both Diana and Weldon. They go through all of her guilty, 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 and they move on to Weldon McDavid Jr. Then we hear, well, bam! Diana Lovejoy flops onto the table and then onto the floor. You have her sister crying out, somebody help her, and they're sobbing, and the bailiffs are trying to get everybody out of the courtroom. It's controlled chaos. She's gone completely ashen, totally passed out. I'm an EMT, so I start to talk to Diana. Do you know where you are? Do you know what day it is? And she goes, yes. I said, what, what day is it? She goes, worst day of my life. On January 31st, 2018, Diana Lovejoy is sentenced to 25 years to life for her role in the crime. For his part, Weldon McDavid receives a sentence of 50 years to life. My heart fell, my stomach hurt. It, you know, it, somebody you care about is going through the worst thing in her life. She will miss her son's entire upbringing. She ultimately wanted sole custody of her child and she lost complete and total custody of him. He has lost a mom now. I've never seen someone seemingly so good turn so bad. That one moment will define the rest of her life. Greg Mulvihill has full custody of his son. He has fully recovered from his gunshot wounds. Weldon McDavid will be eligible for parole in 2041. He will be 74 years old. Diana Lovejoy will be eligible for parole in 2036. She will be 63 years old. Both she and Weldon appealed their guilty verdicts. They were denied in 2020. For more information on Snapped, go to Oxygen.com. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.